Let's pray and we'll get right to work. Uh, go to Matthew 6 if you have your Bible. Matthew 6. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in our world. Thank you for your love. And God, we want to we wanna grow hungry, hungry for you, hungry for your word. And so, Lord, help us, guide us, Holy Spirit of God, uh, lead us as we look at the scriptures, as we look at truth. Lord, we want to know where you are. We want to be what, about what you're doing. And we confess, Lord, that uh, there are areas where we're not in line with you, but we want to be. So, Holy Spirit of God, uh, move in our lives, move in our world, move in the here and the now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, something's, um, something's missing. Well, the obvious snowstorm, that's missing. But ever been, ever been in a season in your life where you feel like things are really good, things, you know, part of it is wonderful, but there's something just, just missing? You know, it doesn't mean all is bad and all is lost, but you know that there's got to be something else out there. Well, I've, um, I've felt that way for a while, probably about a year now. And again, nothing wrong going on. But in that, you start to wonder, Lord, what is, what is it? Maybe you're experiencing the perfect life here this morning. I'd love to meet you. Uh, no problems, no issues, just everything's perfect. I think for most of us, we want to follow Jesus. That's why we're here. We want to grow in him. That's why we're here. But there's some aspects, there's some dimensions that are just... Not there yet. And that's okay. The beautiful thing is when you do feel that way, it could lead you towards something. And that's where we're headed. We're starting a new series called Seek 21 that really came out of a season just in my own life saying, God, I know you want to do more in my life. And I know you want to do more in this church. And I'm just, I'm hungry for more. Whatever it is, I want it. Uh, will you lead us? Well, that led to talking to our staff and talking with our leadership team and realizing, wouldn't it be good to get on the calendar, a season of time that's not interrupted by all the other stuff, and focus on God. And so if you've been a part of the church for a while, we started with these weeks of prayer and fasting called seven. How many of you were a part of one of those? Some of you, a week dedicated. The problem is if you were out of town that week, you missed it. So we would do these seek days. We did seven, then we added these seek days, like once a quarter, and we'd say, hey, on this Wednesday, we're going to seek God together. Come out, and let's pray, and let's worship, and that's been good, and then I thought there's got to be more, so out of that, seek 21, which is 21 days of prayer and fasting together, and you may say, like, why? Why 21? Why are we doing it now? It's all starting with a question that I want to focus on this morning. And it's a question to you, and it's a question I've been asking myself. Are you hungry? Are we hungry? Like, really? Are you content with what you know of God? Are you satisfied with what you're learning and growing in? Does your time with God, whatever that looks like, and it looks, like, it looks different for all of us, but is your time with him rich? Are you, are you growing in it? Are you hearing anything? Are you getting any direction? Do you notice that your life is changing for the good? Are you starting to look and live a little bit more like Jesus would intend? Or do you find yourself just slipping? Are you, are you hungry? Are you hungry for God? Um, today I want to talk about hunger. Obviously we're looking at three weeks of prayer and fasting. And fasting is probably the least powerful discipline in my world. I'll be the first to confess it. So, so much of this 21 days is really my own personal journey and wanting to grow in God. Maybe you want to join in 
on that? I don't know, but let's look at hunger and look at the teaching of Jesus. When Jesus talks about fasting, we're going to look in depth at it two weeks from now when Jesus fasted. But when Jesus talks about it on the Sermon on the Mount, like the most clear teaching of Jesus, I want us to see how it's attached, what it's connected with, and how it could speak to our own world. So we'll start in Matthew 6. We'll start in verse 2. You there? Matthew 6, 2 says, When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you could do it in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret is going to reward you. Jesus talks about the path of generosity. It's funny, we ended our series in 1 Timothy on generosity and what it means to be a generous person, and I hope that you're growing in that. And Jesus clearly says that it's not just about giving. You know you can give gifts and not be generous. Uh, lots of companies give corporate sponsorships to causes because it's hip and you get your logo attached to something that's cool. That's not generosity. It can be, but it's not necessarily. As a matter of fact, you could give to church. You can give to God's work and actually not be generous. You could be doing it with a motive, like Jesus says, is out of sync. Don't do it to be honored. Why? There's reward. The Father's watching, the Father knows, the Father sees, and there's real reward. So when we live in the way of Jesus, this is good. This is like an invitation, but it's not like what you think. We don't do this to impress people. So let me ask you, how are you doing with generosity? Not because the church has called you to it, not because we've been going through 1 Timothy and now Matthew 6. How are you in your own heart wanting to grow in giving what God has put into your world away? She said, you want to gain your life? Give it away. You want to lose your life? Hold on to it. And if that's true, generosity is so much at the center of what it means to follow Jesus. So how, how are we doing? Well, he continues. So generosity is one piece. And then prayer. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus tells us how to talk to God and listen to God because prayer, generosity is obvious. It's sharing, right? Prayer is about talking and listening or listening and then talking. Uh, do you know Jesus knows everything, so he doesn't need to know what you need? Like, so much of our time in prayer is spent repeating, like, and Jesus, I don't know if you know, but this is what I'm going through. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like a good father, he wants us to tell the story in our own words, right? But he actually knows it. So prayer is really an invitation to listen, in light of what I'm going through, in light of what's right and true, in light of what I know, what is God saying in the moment to me? So, so Jesus says the, the flourishing life is filled with generosity and filled with communication, ongoing, talking, receiving, talking, giving to others and to God. And that's a beautiful thing. And he says again, second time, when the Father sees it, he's gonna reward you. So, so in one sense, you coming to gain something from God, there's nothing wrong with that. 
<laughs> he wants to give rewards. Like, those who seek are going to find. Those who knock, the door is going to be open. Those who are looking are going to get. And so Jesus is all about giving rewards, and he wants to reward you when you pursue him. And so are you hungry? That's the question. Are you hungry for more? And then, and then he, he goes to a third one. This is the one I have least looked at. I read it. I just skip over it because I feel like it doesn't apply to me. Look at verse 16. Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. The same pattern, the, the flourishing life is a generous life. It's a life that's ongoing with God. And Jesus says, when you fast, not like if you fast. And I have to say, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I could probably count on my two hands, maybe a few toes, the number of times I've fasted in my whole Christian experience. And it's not been often, and it's not been exciting, and I haven't necessarily seen it as this fruitful way. Like we see, Jesus says, generosity is the way to flourishing, and prayer is the way to flourishing. I get those. And then Jesus says, when you fast, there's there's a great thing there for you. And I just want to ask this morning, we're in three weeks now of listening to God and talking to God and experiencing God. And we're going to tie it with this discipline called fasting because Jesus says, when you do it in the right way, the Father is going to see and going to reward. So are you, are you hungry? Now we're going to look at what fasting is. I'm going to assume little because I've known so little. And I've been following Jesus for a while. What, what is fasting? Let's put a baseline definition. Fasting is simply refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. In other words, when you look at it in the Bible, all the, all the major world religions have fasting as a component. And doctors use fasting for health and well-being. So there's lots of reasons people fast. But I want to look at the Bible because Jesus is speaking from the lens of what God has said from Scripture, right? What does it mean for us in, in a biblical view, to fast, well, it's not about a diet. Fasting it can be about dieting. There's intermittent fasting that you can kind of trick your body into burning calories. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And it's not about a diet and a life change to live more healthy, although that's one of the side benefits. When you don't eat, you think about eating a lot. And then you think about what you eat, and then when you eat again, you think about what you're putting in your mouth. So there's some side benefits, but friends, this is not an invitation to weight loss. This is not an invitation even to more greens in your diet, although I hope you do. It's about guiding, in the Bible, our appetite. What are you hungry for? What do you really want? The things you're most passionate about, you're going to spend time on. If you've got a hobby and you're super passionate, you're going to throw your money and any available time at it. If you have a relationship you want to see thrive, you're going to throw energy and time and money, Valentine's Day is coming up, at it. And you're going to, you know, if you're hungry for something, you're going to go for it. And this morning, I just wonder, let's be honest, when it comes to really knowing God and really growing in God, how hungry are we? Well, fasting is a chance for me to say no to food because there's something greater. So what's fasting look like in the Bible? Um, 
Rather than go through all of the text, and there's, there's quite a few, I want to just highlight the sweeping story. In the Old Testament, there's only one day required for all of the nation called Israel to fast, and that was on the Day of Atonement. It's interesting. The one day that God says, come hungry, is the day when God provides forgiveness. The Day of Atonement was the one day when the high priest went into the most holy place and brought the sacrifice, which was a symbol of we are dirty and we're sinful, and we've strayed from God. But on this one day, the, the high priest could go into the most holy place, and there God would pronounce to the people, forgiven. God paid for our freedom and our life. It's on that one day of the year that the people were to come hungry, and doesn't that make sense? God's gonna fill you. God's gonna give you what you really need. And so that was the only day. Other than that, there's all sorts of variety. So when I thought about fasting, I thought I was like, I gotta have some like really big climactic issue in my life. And then when all else fails, when prayer doesn't work, throw in some fasting. That's been like, maybe I'm not the only one. But my view has been like, at the end, it's like the last resort. Don't take away my Oreos. Like, you know, like don't. But, but if you want them, Lord, you can have them. And I'm discovering when I read the Bible, there's all sorts of reasons. I'll give you some examples. Moses, when he receives the law, he's fasting for 40 days. And then you have, you have times of crisis that people fast. When Saul, the king, died, the people fasted. For seven days they mourned and they fasted. And then you have Mordecai. You remember the story of Esther? God's people are about to be destroyed. An evil plot uh, happened. And then all the Jews are about to be killed, but... Just so happens Esther, who is a Jew and nobody knows it, is the queen. She could go to the king. And before going, Mordecai declares a three-day fast. Fast. Stop food for a few days. Let's seek God. And, and then go to the king. And maybe God's favor will be with you. So there's all sorts of reasons. A lot of the time in the Old Testament, it's in mourning over the death of someone, over loss. In other words, there are times where we say no to food for a spiritual purpose. God, I'm hurting. I'm gonna say no to breakfast because I need healing from you. God, we're in crisis. We don't know what to do. And all of them are good reasons. So by the time of Jesus, fast forward, God's people fasted often. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees, who were regular people like us, um, the Sadducees were the elite, the high, upper educated, kind of government level people. But the Pharisees were ordinary people like us who just were spiritually devoted to God. The Pharisees, they fasted twice a week, every Monday and Thursday, every week, seeking God, calling on him. And they would go to the temple to pray on those days. And so there, there's a connection between prayer and, and fasting, right? And then Jesus, he starts his ministry. We'll look at it two weeks from now, 40 days in the desert no food. So there is a connection here. But when Jesus is walking, nobody's fasting. This is weird. The reason you don't see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the disciples fasting is actually because of Matthew 9. This puzzled people. Look at Matthew 9, verse 14. We'll put it on the screen for you. When Then John's disciples came and they asked Jesus, how is it that we, we the Pharisees, like religious people, spiritual people, we fast often, but your disciples, they do not fast. And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. I love Jesus' metaphor. 
the picture is a wedding, right? And you have your, if you have your bridal party or you have your guests, how many of you want people sobbing you know, and mourning on your wedding day? I hope not. If you're getting married, it's a good day of joy. So weddings are about celebrations and like love and beauty. And so as long as the bridegroom's there, as long as the bridal party's there, even if you're having a rough day, fake it till you make it, right? You don't mess up because this is a day of joy. You do what's appropriate. And so Jesus uses that analogy Fasting is mourning. Don't eat for a while. You'll mourn. You'll suddenly become a little more tired than you normally are, and you might become a little more on edge and a little, a little more intense about things because you forget how much the body needs food. And so there are periods where we mourn, but while there's a party going on, you don't fast. You celebrate, and Jesus is the celebration Jesus is God come. So of course, Jesus says, the disciples aren't fasting because God's come. The goal of fasting is to put myself in a position to hear from God, to see God, to see him move. And guess what? Jesus is moving. God is moving. God is working. Why are you going to be somber when the miracle worker has come? But Jesus says, there will come a time when I won't be here in the same way. And then my disciples, they will fast. So you see in the New Testament, this same, like in the early part of the story, in the New Testament, the disciples are fasting. The disciples are fasting in Acts when they're gonna choose elders to lead a church, when they're gonna send out church planting teams and missionaries to new places. They fast and pray before they lay hands on these brothers and sisters and send them out. There are times where we say, God, we think we know what to do, but we're, we're gonna lean in. It's not about the absence of food as much as it is about the intentionality of saying, more than food right now, God, I, I'm hungry for you. Uh, Paul writes in his letters and he tells us about two different fasts. One's three days long, the other one's 14 days long. Peter, um, when he gets the vision about, uh, about the gospel going to non-Jews, he's in the middle of three-day fast. And so all throughout the New Testament, you see these subtle things. Because it was so common, you don't see as much writing about it, but it was normal for the disciples to fast. As a matter of fact, we know from church history that the early disciples fasted twice a week, just like the Pharisees did. They just chose different days, Pharisees Mondays and Thursdays, and the Jesus followers went, went Wednesdays and Saturdays. To not confuse, out of reverence for the Jewish community, we're not saying we're you, we're not saying we're a Pharisee, but we want to honor Jesus this way. And then all throughout the history of the church, you have the community saying no. And if you're part of one of the historic churches, usually around the holy days, around Christmas and around Easter, there are a series of seasons called Lent. And there are times where we say no to something, to say yes to God. Here's what happens, though. Over time, we lose it. We lose the meaning. It's just like most holidays. It's a reason to buy furniture. Most holidays right now, I think furniture commercials come out because evidently I need, I need a new couch on every holiday. And, and, and they become shopping experiences. And in the same way, I think fasting has gone out of vogue, especially in the church here in, in the West. Europe and, and America, the, the richer parts of the church, we've forgotten fasting. I'm gonna give a reason I think is right, but judge me on it, it's okay. I think is right. I think it's because we're just enamored with our stuff and we live with excess. We just live with excess. And so most of the church around the world, in Latin America, in, in Africa, in Asia, where needs are real, it's amazing. People who are going hungry go hungry on purpose. 
because they recognize there's a need for God. But I think here, because we've, we've gotten so fattened by our ability to have more stuff, I mean, because of the snowstorm, you're, no joke, 90% of you, you have more food in your fridge because you were expecting to not be able to go out. Here's the sad part. I have two fridges. I have a fridge in the house and I have a fridge in the garage. Not because I bought an extra one, because we had a house and when we sold it, we, we, we kept it. So it's been with us for all of these years. Our first house, we had this fridge that just won't die. But, but both of them are full. And like, why do I need, I mean, the store is not even a mile down the road. I need all, I think it's because we're so enamored with what we have and what we can have that we, the thought of letting go is painful to us. The thought of letting go of just dessert, let alone the full meal, is painful, and, and this is not a judgment against us, but it's an opportunity to hear words from Jesus with like a fresh lens. So I'm inviting you. Here's what we're inviting you. I'm inviting you to step in to three weeks of intentionally seeking God through prayer and through fasting. And if you've never done it before, like, that's okay. This could be a whole new world for you, and we're going to go over super practical things that you can do to get started. But the question is, before we get into what, let's go why. Why Why should we fast? Like I said, in the Bible, you see people fasting for all sorts of reasons, um, but most often it's connected with prayer. Something's happened, whether they're, the army's about to go out to war in the Old Testament, or the church is about to plant a new community in a new town. Something's happening, and we want to pray, and so we say no to something good to say yes to something greater. And that's the essence of what fasting is. It humbles you. It really does. Don't eat for a day. And you realize, you know, Jesus said, men and women, we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But then you realize bread is helpful. It's really, carbs are like glorious and, and you, you take away those things. And you know what we forget? We forget that God has given us every, every good thing to eat. When you don't eat, you eat something and, and it should have a little more, wow. And it also should make you think about what you're hungry for because hunger isn't bad. Hunger is good. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So hunger should motivate you to go out there and produce and there's nothing wrong with celebrating and like at the end of a week, going out and having a good meal because God's provided the ability for you to have resources and you gather your friends and whether you make it or you go and go to a restaurant and eat it, you celebrate. Food is a vehicle for a relationship, isn't it? We, we on, on days where we wanna be with people, we eat with them because there's something in our soul that says this is, this is right, this is good. It's not, it's not just sauce, you know? It's not just vegetables, it's our time together. You don't re remember just the ingredients. You remember the experience, don't you? And so eating is good, but there are times where it's just not, it's just not right, and we should stop because misplaced hunger is actually hurting us. We could be hungry for the wrong things. Now, let's just think diet for a second. You could be hungry for the wrong things and fill your body with the wrong things and do your body harm, can't you? We all know this. And so we have all sorts of issues in America right now today because of things that could be fixed if we fixed the way we thought about food. We have obesity in America today and we know it, but we can't change it because we're so driven in our mindset that I, I should be able to eat anything I want whenever I want and it doesn't matter what it is, I'll be okay. 
and we lead to all sorts of medical things. This is not a medical lecture, okay? But I'm saying misplaced hunger is dangerous. And so it is in life. What are you hungry for, really? Spiritually, in your life, in your future, what do you want? Like in your career path, what are you driving towards? What are you spending your time on, your money on, your attention on, your everything on? What is obsessing you? What do you want out of life? And Jesus says, misplaced hunger can hurt you. So sometimes peeling back and fasting exposes what you're really hungry for. So if, let's just use direction for a second. I'll give you one example. It was the first time I remember doing an extended fast myself, not because our whole church was doing it. Um, my wife and I, well, we were dating at the time. I was a junior in college, so I'd have been about 20. And we were, had been dating, and we were planning to get married after I graduated. Smart move, graduate, get a job, get married in that order. And, and so I planned for that, but I was going to a Christian college. It was junior year, fall term, and I was getting ready to go home for break. Uh, this was like pre-FaceTime. We wrote letters to each other. You know, I, I, had, I had like calling cards and spent hundreds of dollars on, this is gonna, this is gonna tell you my age, long distance fees. They used to charge you more to call long distance. Again, Google it. Um, <laughs> but so, so I was getting ready to go home. I was in the chapel just doing my morning. There was a chapel in our dorm and just doing my morning Bible reading before class. And I felt, or I sensed the Lord saying, okay, Jose, I want you to go home and get married, like now. And then I rebuked the devil, because I was like, you know, you're getting, I haven't seen my girlfriend in months, and I'm like, get behind me, Satan. You, you know, I'm thinking this is the, the enemy tempting me to go home and do something stupid. And, and I'm like, no, 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 but I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. I couldn't shake it. And it went on for days. And so I talked to the chaplain on the campus. I talked to my parents. I talked to all sorts of people. I was like, look, I can't shake this. I think I'm supposed to go home and get married earlier than like a year and a half earlier. And I'm not prepared. I don't have the money. And this makes no sense. And if I leave school, I was on a fixed tuition thing where, you know, your tuition stays the same as long as you're in. But if I leave and come back, I'm going to pay more. So this is like costly and what do I do? So I went home. My, my parents were wise. Let's take them down, fast and pray. And we had an elder at our church who had a, a, a little place to get away. And they let me stay. And I had nobody. It was me and water. And, and, and I just, about three days, I think third into the fourth day, I have this overwhelming sense of peace from God. You, you're listening. Stay and then get married now. And so I de-enrolled, got all my stuff off campus, everything, and, and um, took that term, and I needed a job, and God provided a gloriously high-paying job in a short-term, kind of a temporary job, and we got married, and here's the end of it. Now, I'm not saying this will always happen to you, but if you're listening, things could change. Because we got married in my junior year, last week, you remember Luis Palau was here? Well, he came during my senior year, I wouldn't have been there with Carmen if we hadn't gotten married early. So God's timing on preparing me to be married and, and meet Luis Palau and then their team immediately say, because we were already married, will you come and join the team and go do evangelism with us? God prepared all that and it came out of and confirmed through a season 
of fasting and prayer. So, so being hungry, now that may be dramatic. That hasn't been my experience all the time, but I have found over the last few decades on the few times where I've actually taken this seriously that God could speak in profound ways. Here's the tip. He's already speaking. We're not listening. So this fasting does not move God like, oh, wow, look at how hungry they am. I guess I should tell them something before they die. <laughs> that is not how God works. He is already speaking, but you ever get so filled with stuff, like physically, like chips or whatever, on the early entree that the meal comes and you're not that hungry for it? Like you filled yourself on bread and then the meal comes like, oh, wow, and you take it home. So could it be, could it be that we're filling our lives with all sorts of stuff to the point where we're not hearing? And like, wouldn't you want to know what, this sounds so stupid, but wouldn't you want to know what God was saying? That's like so elementary. But when we have misplaced hunger, we actually don't care about what God is saying because we're so filled with junk food. Again, metaphor, you know, we're filled with all this other stuff that we, we don't hunger. So we want to start by being hungry. Now, I want to look at practical things that we could do because the invitation is over the next three weeks to live differently with the goal of encountering God because God is the goal. What are you going to get out of prayer and fasting? God. Everything else is a side benefit. But if you know God better, you got all that you need. So what do you do? I think uh, some practical things. Number one, make a plan and write these things down because fasting usually isn't spontaneous in the Bible. It's usually something happened and they decide, we're going to fast. And so make a decision about it. People go in it for a reason. People go in it for lots of reasons. If you have nothing wrong going on in your world, you could still decide to fast. If you have all sorts of chaos going on in your world, I would highly recommend that you decide to fast. Now there's three different kinds in the Bible, and this was new to me, and this is eye-opening. This is why 21 days I think seems totally doable is there's not just one way. There's the absolute fast, which is what I thought it always was, which is no food and only water. And usually you do this for a few days. I wouldn't recommend it for more than a couple of days, especially if you've never done it before. If you do an absolute fast, that is, I'm not gonna eat anything, I would recommend that you drink at least a gallon of water on day one. Drink a lot of water. Your body needs it. Your body's gonna be getting rid of stuff in your, in your own body, toxins and everything. And so whenever you don't eat, you want to replace it with a good, healthy amount of water. So, so do that. But I thought that was it. So when we did seven days of fasting, I tried to do seven days of absolute fasting. And by day four, I was ready to pass out and take you with me. Okay, I was not, not in good shape. But then I realized that there's normal fasting. That in, in the Bible, that fasts often had water and juice. That it wasn't always just water. And that it was often sundown to sundown in that. Let me give an example, if you want to do this. That you have a meal tonight when the sun goes down, which is like 4.30. And then, then you don't eat until tomorrow evening. And that is a day of fasting. I thought it was always a day where you didn't eat anything. So what I am saying is you could fast and eat to confuse you. You're just eating less. You're choosing to say, this meal or these meals, no food, with the purpose of seeking 
God. And that's already encouraging. And then you read Daniel, which we're doing Daniel right after this series, and you find out that Daniel fasts and eats all day. He just eats differently. He does a 10-day fast and he does a 21-day fast, and he eats vegetables. He just refrains from meat, and the reason is their meat was sacrificed to a foreign god. And he stays away from wine, which was given in abundance by the king. And we'll get into that when we get into Daniel. There's a reason he doesn't eat those things, but he stays away from sweets. And so he says, I'm just going to eat vegetables for the season, and I'm going to trust that I'm going to be stronger and more ready to serve the king than everyone else who's following these false gods, because for them it was about gods. I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to eat differently. And guess what? God showed up, and he and his friends were the healthiest and most robust. In other words, you can eat less and gain more. You can choose a partial fast. That could be one day, uh, one meal one day. So here's the bottom line. Could you consider in 21 days fasting one meal on one day? I think most of us, not everyone can. Some of you, and I am very serious, uh, because of the medicines you're taking, because of the condition you have, you need to eat. And to you, I would say God sees and God knows. And he's not looking for what other people see. He's looking for the heart. And so maybe it's just if you have to have food because of medications or because of diabetes or some other issue and you have to have food, just think about something that you normally have that is kind of like that bonus gravy, you know, that treat that you have. And say, I'm going to say no to that treat because I want to take that and I want to say yes to God. God knows the heart. So don't worry about it. But uh, I would say for many of us, we can do a meal on occasion. We could do a breakfast here, and then we could do a, a lunch there, or we can do a, a dinner there. Now, we're so blessed. We have people in our community that have already made a, a bit of the flip on diet. If you're going to do the partial fast, which as a family we're going to do, um, and you're going to go vegetables and, and fruit and natural things, Andrew Van Gordon, who happens to be sitting in the back row, um, she's got a website that we're linked to. So if you go to our um, we put a website up for 26westchurch.org slash seek21. If you go there, you're going to see a link to her Pinterest, which has, if I counted right, or the number was right, 613 recipes that are healthy and good for you. And they're all plant-based. They're either vegetarian or vegan. So if you want to go partial fast and say, I'm going to stay away from meat for a certain period of time, I thought it had to be like plain lettuce and, and be like feel bad. Because if it doesn't scratch your throat, you didn't gain any, like, you know, like, because I had this idea that, that fasting was about, like, like, pain and suffering rather than joy. And so a partial fast could simply be a way of changing your diet, hear me, not with the goal of weight loss, if it happens, great. Not with a goal of just healthier living, although if that happens, Great. But in this particular case, we're saying no to things to say yes to time with God and, and trusting he sees the heart. So, so you, can, you can have all, and we did them. So we, 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 I, I did ask her for a top 10, right? And I have those, and we went during the snowstorm that was about to happen, and I kid you, I have a forest in one of our fridges. We have so many fruit and vegetables, and we have all this stuff. And so what I'm gonna do, and I'm not saying you need to do it, I'm just giving an example. I, our kids are doing it different, We've invited them in to do as much as they want. I'm not eating breakfast or lunch, and I'm having an evening meal, so kind of like the Jewish fast, sundown to sundown. 
and because of the nature of my schedule, and I'm really going to bark at you after two days, um, uh, I'm going to eat dinner, but totally plant-based and no dessert, and I'm striking coffee out for as long as I can and not fall over and die. And, and so I'm just switching to tea. And so the question is, if I have tea, am I allowed, here, am I allowed to put honey in my tea? Put honey in your tea. Because this is not about restriction for restriction's sake. Do you see? I'm, I'm making fun of me and I'm making fun of this because I think we have the sense of like pursuing God is all pain and no gain. And that's just not God's heart. He rewards those who seek him. And so I got a feeling the next few weeks will be the best weeks of my life, even though I'm gonna eat less and eat different. And, and now my wife's birthday is in the middle of this, and I'm not gonna fast on that day. I'm gonna take my wife out to dinner, and that's holy and righteous and good. And so it's not legalistic, do you hear me? This is not about, Jose said, I can't. It's more like, wow, he said we can. And then you fill in the blank. Second thing is, so start with the plan. Second thing is start small and build up. If you've never done this before, don't say I'm going to do this week, please. By day one, you'll be discouraged. By day two, you'll be despondent. By day three, you'll give up. Just say today, I'm going to do one meal. And take it one meal at a time. And if you've had like this encounter with God, maybe you went on a walk and listened to some worship. Maybe you read the Bible or just listened to the Bible. If you're at work and you're doing this and you normally work at your desk, sit at your desk and put the Bible on your phone and just listen to the Bible while you type. And if you want to look really cool, bop your head from time to time and fake lyrics and whatever. No, no, look. No, this is, this is not about making it harder. This is about finding greater ways to pursue God's presence in the real world that we live in. And some of you, you're raising kids and you're, you have a very active life and this is really hard to do. If you're in manual labor, this is really hard to do. Just be wise, right? Just be wise and God will meet you where you're at. Number three, spend time with God. That is the point. The goal of this discipline is freedom. It's not restriction. So I'm now freed up. If you take 20 minutes to prepare that lunch, I've got 20 minutes back, right? Use it. And so I'm not a sit, I'm not a sit in silence kind of person. I just go wonky. So I walk. Now I'm kind of in a, the Lord's allowed me to be put in a very restrictive place because I can't walk a lot right now. So I'm going to sit on a stationary bike, which I can do, and listen to worship. Because I, I don't do well just, just sitting there in silence. I start hearing myself. You know, I, I start thinking about my email. Whatever, but if that works for you, great. Uh, do you have to do this alone? No, find one other believer and get together if you can on that breakfast or lunch or dinner and enjoy God together. This doesn't have to be restrictive. And so that, you know, there's no magic formula. And uh, I, the one thing I would say is fill your time in wisely. Here's where the enemy wants to step in. You're gonna have a little bit of extra time and you're gonna be a little, a little tired and so watch your media intake. Just watch it. Because what the enemy's gonna wanna do is take you in your little tired space and just like he did with Jesus, try to twist it for an opportunity for you to dishonor God. So I would say to you, not that you can't watch things, but you probably should watch what you're watching all the time. 
but especially when you're fasting. You should, because I want to do is I want to fill my mind with what God is thinking and saying so that I can draw close to him and enjoy him, and that's the goal. So we want to seek God together, though. That's what you can do on your own, but we are opening up the office every day, including Sunday, for the next three weeks, from 6 to 8 a.m. If you want to start your day here, now, can I just do it at home? Oh, yeah, you should, but sometimes space matters, and sometimes you're just making the effort to come and be in an unfamiliar place, and then it'll be self-guided from six to eight. Those of you who come in the main space, uh, you may not know, we have an office with a separate door. So on uh, every day, when you come and come to our church office, it's on the street side, and you'll see our logo right on the door. And come in, and there'll be just background music, instrumental, no leading, no no live music per se, no, no one in charge, you just, there's couches and chairs, find one, open your Bible. If you want your own music, get, bring in your headphones and seek God. You can sit, you can kneel, you can walk, you can do whatever. And if you see some other people there, politely, if you'd like, to say, hey, would you like to pray for a few minutes together? And if they say no, respect it. They may just be like seeking God themselves. And if they say yeah, then don't do the normal Christian thing, which is 20 minutes of storytelling and zero praying. Just be short, like be a guy for a second. I know, I know it's like a, it's a gender thing and I totally get it. But just be like bullet point. I'm praying for my family, I'm praying for a new job, I'm praying for this breakthrough and pray for one another. God who knows what you do in secret will reward you. So hopefully you don't feel legalistic about it. What do you know, how do you know though if you're actually doing benefit Write down this quote. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. That's the bottom line. If this is so easy, like I, I fasted from one dessert once a week, well, if that didn't mean anything to you, it's not going to mean anything. But if it does mean something to you, you can know this. The Father knows what you do in secret, and he will reward you. Um, I'm excited because I have no idea what God wants to do as a church, but I know when he's stirring us to come to him, you look in the Bible and you look throughout history, it's usually because there are things he wants to do that we're not ready for. So there could be some things God wants us to do. There could be some things God wants you to do that you're not ready for. So he pulls you aside and says, son, daughter, I love you. Stop that. Get a little hungry so that your eyes will be on me, and then let's talk about this. And then he releases us out to it. I am, I'm super excited. What I'm asking you to do, though, is let us know what God is saying. Some people think, well, God speaks to my pastor. God speaks to our church. God speaks to our leaders. And yeah, I think sometimes he does. Most often, he speaks to all of us, and we just don't recognize it. So I'm asking you to fuel our prayer as a leadership team. On the website, we'll throw it up again, write it down, uh, 26westchurch.org slash seek21. You're gonna see these places you can click. One has Andrea's recipes. The other is a card you're about to get on the way out. I put together, and ironically, prayed about it. God, what are 21 things we should be praying about? And we wrote it on a card, and you're gonna get it on the way out. But if you're like me, and I, I hate paper, I lose it, but I love electronic on that website, you can download the PDF, put it on your computer screen, put it on your phone, 
And if you need to get thinking about what to pray about, you could do it. And then as well, there's a form to fill out. If God is sharing something with you, I want to hear it. Only the pastors and the elders are going to see this. So you can be as honest as you want. You can be as clear as you want and know that it's not going to go public, okay? But write down, and on it, we're just going to ask for your name and your email address because we may want to follow up with you. Like, that was interesting. Tell me more. And then, and then write down, just type out, and then click send, and we'll get notifications every day of what you're praying about, and it could be a scripture verse, it could be a specific example, it could be a thought, it could be a dream, a vision, whatever it is, and we'll just pray over them and discern them, and those things that are for the church we receive, those things that are for you and not for us as a church, that's totally cool. Thank you for sharing it. Embrace it, walk in it. Um, I hope that by now you're hungry to be hungry. And that could mean you eat every day. That's totally fine. But I hope that you're at least stimulated to think about an area of your life that needs more of God's presence. And if that happens to everyone in this room, what might happen in our church? If everyone had a deeper sense of God and his love and his word to you, I think we would be a a different church altogether. So, so now what we're going to do is we're going to respond. And the songs you're going you're gonna to notice are a little more reflective this morning as we, as we transition. And this is a chance for you to begin. You said, well, I already ate breakfast. So what? Seek God. Well, I already have lunch plans. Eat lunch. Enjoy it. Seek God. And then throughout the next 21 days, you find your pattern. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your kids. You find out something that works for all of you and enjoy it. Amen? Well, why don't we stand to our feet and let's respond. Let's take these songs and make them prayers that we can begin praying now and pray throughout the week as we seek God together. Lord, thank you that you're at work in our world and you're at work in our own heart. And so God, we invite you now by the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to soften our heart so that we would even see the things that are out of alignment with your way, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you've come to bring comfort to those who are, are hurting. It's funny, even as I was praying it, I believe that was a word for some of you. You're just, you're really hurting. And God in his love wants to bring comfort, not just advice, not not tips. He wants to bring genuine, deep-rooted comfort so that you can endure. So Lord, we pray that you'll uh, speak to us now as we seek your presence. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. At any time during this gathering or any gathering, if God has stirred you and you say, I want some space to pray, we have a prayer room. It's just, it's the same office I talked about. So just go out to your right. You go out that door, there's a sign and across the hall. There's some friends there that are willing to pray with you if you'd like. If not, if you just want to sit and spend time with God, that's totally cool too. Well, may these songs be your prayers.